Welcome everyone to Women in Chemicals Quarterly Generation Female panel on diverse career pathing in one organization. Thank you all for joining us today and for supporting Women in Chemicals. My name is Amelia and I'm one of your co-founders of Women in Chemicals. And we're really excited for today's panel featuring four amazing women from our community. So I'm gonna quickly walk you through what you can expect from the next hour, and then I'll hand it off to Kylie to kick things off with the panel discussions. So after introductions of our panelists, Kylie will moderate a 45 minute discussion among the panelists, touching on topics such as identifying career opportunities within your organization, deciding on and mapping out long-term career goals, ensuring you've developed necessary skills and expertise toward achieving your goals, leveraging internal stakeholders for sponsorship and mentorship toward your ideal career path, and making seamless lateral and horizontal transitions into different business functions. The discussion will be followed by a Q&A session. Hand it over to Kylie to start introducing our panel. Perfect. Thanks, Amelia. And thanks again to our panelists. It's my pleasure to introduce to you our first panelist, Annie Garapi. Annie earned her Bachelor of Science degree in Biological Sciences with a minor in Chemistry from St. Norbert College in De Pere, Wisconsin. And she earned her Master in Environmental Science and Policy from the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. Annie worked as a regulatory specialist for Sherwin-Williams' Environmental Health and Safety Office from 1998 to 2001. She joined Step & Company in 2001 as a senior regulatory chemist in their product safety and compliance department. Since then, she has assumed several positions of increasing responsibility within Step & Global Surfactants Division, most recently managing the Marketing Communications and North America Technical Service Departments. Annie is a Global Surfactant Operating Committee member and the commercial lead for Stepin's IT Advisory Committee. Amongst other things, she is responsible for the strategic marketing direction and digital marketing efforts at Stepin. Awesome. Thanks, Kylie. Um, it's my pleasure now to introduce you to our next panelist, panelist Ashley Motts. Ashley leads 3M's United States and, and Canada Chemical Sourcing Team. In this role, Ashley provides strategic sourcing leadership to drive priorities within supply chain continuity and risk, cost, and cash. Over the past 12 years, Ashley has held several has held various positions within sourcing and manufacturing functions at 3M, including global molding sourcing analyst, stationary and office supplies division outsource manufacturing engineer, business sourcing manager for automotive aftermath division. Industrial Mineral Products Division and Film Material Science Division and Polymer Chemical Category Specialist. Ashley's past experience in leadership positioned her well to, to partner with 3M's divisions and leverage sourcing to address strategic objectives and challenges. Ashley has a bachelor's degree in supply chain management from Michigan State University and is currently pursuing her MBA from Carlson School of Management at the University of Minnesota. She lives in Minneapolis with her husband, Steve, and Golden Retriever, Arnie. Great, thanks. Next up, we have Christine Gribos. Christine is currently Director of Product Management General Chemicals for North America at Brentag. She has 30 years experience in the chemical industry and sales, 
product management, and commercial leadership roles. Christine first joined the industry as a sales representative with Los Angeles Chemical Company, a regional distributor based in Southern California. There, she was promoted to director of sales and then joined Bruntag when they acquired LA Chemical in 2006. At Bruntag, Christine has held various roles, including district sales manager and director of sales in their Bruntag Pacific region, where she led teams in Southern California, and vice president key accounts and director of product management, where her leadership responsibilities expanded to North America. Christine lives in Concord Township, Ohio, with her husband, Rick, and has a Bachelor's of Science in Psychology and Spanish. Awesome. Last but certainly not least, I am proud to introduce Jen Jusen. Jen is the Vice President of Global Procurement, Strategic Materials, and Sustainable Solutions for Lion Del Vassell and is based at the U.S. Headquarters Office in Houston, Texas. She is responsible for raw material and utilities procurement globally, expansion of their sustainability program, including renewable energy, strategic supplier relationship management, and product value optimization. She holds a BS and PhD in chemistry and an MBA in finance. So with that, I will hand it over to Kylie to kick things off with our panelists. Perfect. So I'm going to do my best to let you panelists spend some time discussing with each other. Um, but Christine, this first question, I'm going to kick it off to you to start. Um, ladies, you, you feel free to chime in uh, and make this a discussion as you see fit. So Christine, can you tell us a little bit about how you have or you do identify diverse career opportunities within your current organization? And then an added factor to that question, how do you recommend that our community and those listening in today make our interests in our new opportunities known to our leaders, our bosses, our management, things like that? Thank you, Kylie. Uh, first, I just want to say thank you to Amelia and both Kylie for uh, inviting me uh, to join the panel today. It's an honor to be considered. So I do appreciate that. And I really appreciate and commend everything you guys have been doing for women in chemicals. It's just fantastic what you've accomplished over the last year, year and a half. Um, it's a great network for, uh, for everybody. So just thank you for taking the initiative and that grassroots campaign to build it to what it is today. It's really just fantastic. Um, you know, I really thought a lot, a lot about this. The ironic thing about my career is when I first joined LA Chemical 30 some years ago, I uh, talked to a lot of people in the company and said, you know, how long have you been here, et cetera, et cetera. And people would tell me, oh, five years, 10 years, 20 years. And honestly, I thought, well, that's just insane. That's never going to be me. And lo and behold, 30 years later, here I am essentially with the same company. Um, so life is kind of funny that way um, and how things end up because um, you just never know what your what journeys, where your journey is going to take you. Uh, I think that, you know, some things are they sound simple, but things are never as simple as they really are. You know, when you look at some of the basics, uh, depending on the size of your company, a lot of companies, frankly, just offer job postings. Um, and that's a really great first place just to look to familiarize yourself with what might be out there. Um, but the reality is sometimes, as a lot of people on this call may know, is that sometimes not all of the jobs are posted there, right? And not all companies have such an organized format. So I think that what I have learned over the years is, you know, that's a great place to start if one exists. It helps you familiarize yourself just with what else is out there. But I think networking has always been really key. Uh, networking and self-education um, 
just to hone in on different skill sets as you learn more about yourself and what your interests are, have been really um, important just to understand what else is out there um, and who else you should be talking to. And the other thing that's been beneficial for me and I encourage everybody is, is you know, simply say to speak up. I think it's really important to have a conversation with your uh, direct manager on, you know, what your aspirations are and what your interest levels are. You know, do I want to stay in the same, kind of in the same lane, whether that be in a commercial organization, procurement organization, do I want to expand and diversify? You know, I've been, I've been lucky enough and desire to diversify in my career path. It depends on you know, which direction you want to go. But I think it's really important. Sometimes you may have a manager that will ask the questions, but I've found over the years for myself and my colleagues, that's not always the case. And I've even seen friends and colleagues be in a situation where jobs have been announced, or excuse me, a, you know, a role has been filled and the announcement's gone out and somebody said, well, I would have liked to have been considered for that job. And then somebody says, I didn't even know you were interested which leads to a conversation of, okay, well, now that you're interested, you may have to have a conversation of, well, here's, you're not necessarily ready or here's the skills that you have, or, oh my, I, you know, I should have considered you for the role. So I think it's really important not to assume that somebody's gonna ask you and you need to do a little bit of advocating for yourself and networking just to see what's out there. And then the one last thing I'll say is, um, and I think we'll talk a little bit more about some of this too, is, you know, make sure you're, as I said, getting the right experience and honing your skills, but also don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone. I think that if you want to change roles, it can be easy to feel like, well, I want to do it, but I'm kind of scared because making a change, especially into a completely different business unit can be a very scary proposition, but it's important to challenge yourself and do things outside your comfort zone, whether that be on a small scale, just from a learning standpoint, or even taking the ultimate step into that new position, because no matter what, you're gonna learn something about yourself, you're also gonna learn maybe some things you have to work on. Um, it's never gonna be easy. It's a little scary and challenging, but I've always found that even though, you know, when you first jump in, you're like, wow, okay, new people, new teams, what am I getting myself into? At the end of the day, it's always been a really gratifying experience to make that to make that leap. Um, Annie Garaby here, maybe just to add uh, to Christine. I'm such a firm believer of identifying emerging needs um, where you see gaps in your organization. So, you know, making those vulnerabilities known to leadership and kind of stepping up, not being afraid to author brand new job profiles, looking at those skills or competencies necessary uh, that are really going to help meet the emerging organization or business priorities, I think is a wonderful opportunity. You know, sometimes it's not just the positions that are posted. It's, it's those that don't exist yet in your organization um, that could really present a new career opportunity. And so I say, hey, look for those gaps um, and don't be afraid to really put yourself out there as a potential um, leader for that new position. And I wanted to add on to Christine because I think it's really important, but 
um, expressing those interests early through your peers, through other leaders, um, through uh, informal conversations. So I, uh, early in my career, looked for those influencers um, or those respected colleagues and just had thoughtful conversations um, and clearly articulated my interests early, I think really um, can lead itself to those opportunities and, and pay close attention to those new leaders that are coming into your organization, you know, showing a genuine interest about their career path and some of their decisions as to what led them to where they are today um, can be just incredible um, opportunities. Yeah, maybe to add one more thing too is, you know, raise your hand, right? If there's a special project in a business that you want to learn more about, you know, put yourself out there and, and say, I want to at least, you know, look, everybody loves people that are looking for more to do, right? And so, and if you show an energy and an excitement about something, they're going to be willing to take a risk and, let, and put you on a cross-functional project. You may find that you love it. And that is the right path for you, which was great. You also may find out well, maybe this isn't right for me, but you've had this chance at least to try. The other thing that you get is exposure from people that you would have not normally gotten before. And if you know you're really excited and want to do you know do a really great job, they're going to consider you for the next interview, whether the job is posted or not. And so, getting your face out there and getting your energy out there and your work ethic out there, I think, will speak volumes as well. And to, to tag on to what you ladies have, have said it, there's a phrase in the back of my mind that one of my mentors once told me it's the, and I, I've talked to Kylie about this before, it's called don't be the who. And so what it means is if there's a role that you have an interest in or an opportunity that you have an interest to, to, to pivot into, maybe you're not ready right now. Maybe you're planting the seeds, but to the point of, meet with some of those individuals, have those informationals, express your interest and intrigue of their roles. When their role either comes up or they move into a new role, their boss is going to say, who do you recommend to place you? And you don't want to be the who, the person where you say, Kylie, well, who's Kylie? I haven't met Kylie before. You want to be that person that that person's recommending. Um, so that way you can also get ahead of when those posts occur. Someone's already tapped you for it too. Perfect, ladies, really appreciate each and every one of your guys' comments to kick off this discussion here. Um, I just, I wanna reiterate something that I hold very personally close is this comment around making your interests known. And I've heard this a lot in our Women of the Week interviews about uh, learning about our interviewees' career paths and how sometimes opportunities that they thought like you ladies have expressed they would be great candidates for, they didn't get that, hey, I think you'd be a great candidate for this because their leaders and those decision makers weren't even aware of those interests in the first place. And so I hold that near to me as I continue to develop along my career development journey about you know, what interests me and who do I need to make sure knows that. So I appreciate each and every one of you kind of sharing a little piece of that um, that I hold with me and hope that those listening in will as well. So Ashley, this next question, I'm gonna have you kick off. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you decide and how you map your long-term career goals? 
What do you do to ensure that you get the skills and experiences needed to achieving those long-term goals? Yeah, so th thanks, Kylie. I appreciate the question and the opportunity to answer here. I think when I look at my long-term goals or maybe a lot of you guys are trying to figure out what do I want to be when I grow up? I think I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm 12 years into 3M. Um, I once had a, a mentor share with me a big aha moment when I was trying to map out my career. And he had shared that there's two different paths. You have the journey route and the destination route within your career. So for example, destination route, I want to be CEO of a company. Here are all of the different steps that typical CEOs take. There's jobs I might have to take that I don't enjoy. I might have to move my family some places I don't like to go to. There might be some challenging roles. Um, but ultimately, I know I have to take these steps to get to this set destination. Then you have a route that's called the journey route. And you can play on to your existing experiences and skill sets and networks. Maybe you don't know exactly where you want to go or where you want to end up to, but you know there's different roles or opportunities that you can pivot to that you'll leapfrog on um, to help well-round that journey. You can get, CEO might've been a bad example, you know, maybe, maybe a VP or something, right? So you can get to the same level and the same prestige, if you will, it might take you a little longer, but it's how you're mapping out your career. And there's sometimes where people will go from the journey route to destination and, and adjust, but that helps me, I think, feel good in my mind of, I don't have that destination of where I know I need to go, but I know I'm building on my career path through that journey route. So I think each of us need to decide what part of the route you are on when you're mapping out your development plan that can help you figure out too, what experiences do you need? What kind of relationships and networks should you be working? What kind of training you might need to get there? Um, and then to answer the second part of that question, I actually have um, an individual development plan that I've mapped out. So I have, you know, my short term, you know, 12 months, mid range, maybe one to five years, five to 20 years or five to 10 years, depending on where you're at within your career, you can maybe shrink it or grow it. Um, and let me see, I have my ratios here. So 70% of your development is on the job. What are current things that you can do within your current career, um, current role to get you there? Maybe it's to, to Jen's point, maybe you're volunteering for some new projects or some new opportunities within your current role that'll help set you up for that mid-range, long-range. 20% networking and relationships. Who are some of the people you need to know? Who can you help to develop and foster those relationships with that will help you within that mid and long term? And then 10% formal training. Maybe it's doing a certain industry-led training from a, a chemical standpoint, you know, IHS, different trainings like that. Um, maybe it's doing your formal MBA, um, but understanding about 10% might be true formal training and then mapping out that matrix. Um, those roles, the on the job, the trainings can help you at least visualize it, knowing that it's not perfect, it's going to change. You might look at it in five years and say, what was I thinking? I was on the journey route, but it helps you at least think, think about it and be more proactive and thoughtful. I think maybe actually, 
Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Christine. Go oh, ahead. I, I was just just a quick comment. Um, I think actually you bring up a really good point. A lot of times over the years when I've talked with people about their career planning, I think there's um, concern when if they're on the journey path, right? They feel like that's the wrong answer. I should know exactly what I'm going to do. And sometimes they might even feel embarrassed when you say, well, what, you know, how can I help you? What, where, where do you want to end up? And they go, I really don't know. But so I think it's really helpful for, for the, the people on the call to hear that, right? Because there are different paths to get to where you are. And even if you're on the other path, like you said, you may realize halfway there that, you know what, this is actually not where I wanted to be. You know, every, every role, every project, everything is all of, is, it's all the culmination of the different experiences that make us what we are. And sometimes along that way, we might learn that we wanna do something else um, or something a little bit different and that's okay. And I think there's comfort for people on the call knowing that you, know, you don't always have to have the exact answer because a lot of times I've had those conversations and somebody go, well, you mean exact job? I don't know, but okay, well, what do you like? What are you interested? What, how do you want to expand? You know, those are the things you want to think about. Yeah, I think Christina, it's asking yourself those questions. I have kind of a list of questions to ask myself. Mm -hmm. What do I enjoy? What do I want to do more of? What do I put off? What, what doesn't serve me? Where are the opportunities? Where are the strengths? And kind of mapping that out a bit too. And yeah. your answers might change as your career adopts. I love working global, but when I start starting a family and maybe the late night calls, early morning calls won't serve me at that time. So maybe it's looking at more of a regional role, but then knowing that global might be in the future or something like that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Ashley, I want to echo too, like feeling comfortable and clearly articulating what you don't want to do is just as important, right? When I think about mapping too, I, to me, I've done like if-then trajectories. So I almost create like a decision tree for myself. Okay, if I start down this path or kind of go in this direction and I see I'm enjoying that, then these might be my options. If I'm not enjoying that, you know, maybe over here, and then I, I have a lot of if-then mapping uh, that I do personally uh, to have conversations. I, I think important though is to demonstrate to your organization that you've got those fundamental skills that make you versatile regardless of the role. So when you think about, boy, I'm 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 an empathetic based manager, I, I can have those conversations. I'm, I'm great at time and project management. Um, I'm showing that I can work vertically and horizontally on the enterprise level across the organization. When you think about, okay, what are going to be those versatile skills that regardless of the job um, are, are going to be necessary, and, and I'm demonstrating those, I, I think is so valuable. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I think your points are great. And it's, to me, it's not about the next job. I think Annie said this earlier. It's about what you like to do and knowing what you don't like to do. I will be very open and honest with that too, because what I see, especially in our company is our company's evolving. We have jobs today that we did not have a year ago or two years ago, five years ago. And I think to know what you have a passion for or that you're good at, and then going to somebody within that space and saying, look, I don't know what jobs you're going to have. But these are the things I really like to do that I'm good at that I think would be complementary to your organization. Would you keep me in mind? I think is very important. Some of the jobs I've had in my career were not on the org chart, okay? And so 
I didn't know to go after them. And I will tell you in the 25 plus year career I've had, I'm not exactly sure how I got here and where I'm going next. And that's okay, right? And I think, but I know what I like. And I think as long as you stay true to that and communicate that, I think that's, I think that's a really good path to go. Ladies, you all make really good points. And actually this kind of where this conversation led was a question I wanted to bring to the Q&A panel. So being earlier in my career, I do get tremendously intimidated by these, you know, networking sessions that with leaders that I, you know, look up to that ask these questions about, okay, what are you, what are you looking for? What, what's next for you? What are, what are you interested in? And so I think what intimidated me early on in those conversations was, I don't know that I have a necessary role pinpointed in terms of being able to perfectly answer that question. But based on your guys' feedback, I'm learning and, and with these informationals and networking sessions, I'm learning that maybe the answer to the question they're looking for, it was never a role. It was what I like and what I don't like, right? And so definitely learning to pivot into that mindset as I continue in my career will be something I, I prioritize. So thank you for sharing. So Jen, this next question will be geared towards you to kick it off. Um, this is a three-part question, so let me know if you need me to repeat at any time. Um, so how do you leverage internal stakeholders for sponsorship or mentorship towards your ideal career path? What should you expect from these types of relationships? And what should you bring to these relationships as the one asking for these relationships? So, so I like this question a lot, and, and I always cheat. I have the questions over here so that I'll know which one you're going to ask me. So... But I think, you know, the thing that I like about this question a lot is ideal career path, right? Because I can't tell you what my ideal career path is today. But how I've gotten to where I am today is through having mentors. And so, you know, I think I've had, I'd say at least two, now a third mentor throughout my career that's helped me navigate to get where I am today. And so part of it is you know, being able, so I'm a chemist, as you know, PhD, I got out of grad school, I was so happy to finally have a job. And if you asked me, I was going to be a chemist for life, because I, I, I was good at it, I liked it, and I felt comfortable. And so, you know, my first mentor was the R&D director, and he pulled me inside, he goes, you've got to get out of R&D. You've got to get an MBA, and you've got to go in the business, you'll be good at it, just trust me, right. And so I think part of it is, you know, having people that you feel comfortable and I candidly told him that I was not comfortable with that because I wasn't sure I was going to be good at it, right? And so, you know, and I think he pushed me and he said, just try it. Go back to school. If you don't like it, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. Found out I love the program. I loved, I love business. I am never going back to R&D, right? Because I love the fast pace of what I do, but I would have never tried that, right? Unless somebody's pushed me. And I think having a mentor is very important. And so the things that you should expect or that you also need to bring is, First of all, what you need to bring is an open mind and be open to feedback, positive and negative. Have, this is how you grow. This is how you get better. None of us are perfect. Trust me. And so going in and when you find somebody that you're comfortable with, that you want to be able to bounce ideas off of them, not someone that won't, that won't judge, but has your best interest at heart, you better be willing to listen to what they tell you. My second mentor that helped me get my first business job actually at Lionel Bissell gave me some of my most um, constructive feedback. And, you know, and I will tell you, it was good feedback, right? Because I was still new, I was still young, wasn't exactly sure what I was doing. You know, I felt like I thought I knew, but 
But to have somebody pull you aside and say, you know what, you need to do more of this, you need to do less of this, you need to be thoughtful here. And then you do try some of this on for size to see how you navigate, I think is, is very important. And you know, having that opportunity to listen and really process it and, and have that ability to feel bold enough to try new things is important, right? And so, you know, most of the folks that have been my mentor have pushed me out of my comfort zone into something that I would not have done. I moved to Europe and worked in supply chain, which I would have never thought I would have gone into supply chain. When I finally made it into commercial that first time through, I was on the sell side. I loved that organization. I loved being in the sales team. I loved being marketing manager, commercial manager. I loved all of that stuff. And then they asked me to go to Europe and be in supply chain, which was something I didn't know. I didn't think I was going to be good at. I had a lot of apprehension. I did it. I took the leap. My family and I moved and I loved it. Right. So I think, you know, mentors, when they talk to you, I think as well, when they give you suggestions about other opportunities, and it is not talking about a job, it's about what you like to do. They're going to give you, I think, things that you would have not thought about in your career. And I think that's a really good thing. So, you know, today I said in procurement, if you would have asked me five years ago that I would be in procurement, I would have said, I don't really think that's for me. You know, I've been in the job a year during all the supply chain disaster, and it's been a heck of a year, but I've learned a lot. And do I regret it? Absolutely not. And so I think finding those folks, you know, that you're comfortable with talking to, and I think you should have more than one. I really do, because you want different perspectives, you know, and really being open to listen and, and letting that mentor know that you are really open to the feedback and you want them to give you the feedback, I think is important. And I think you'll be able to find that there's actually through those interactions, you'll see you actually have a lot more opportunity than, than what you originally thought you would. Jen, I guess I have a follow-up question for you. How, and I'm not sure if we've had other panels on this, but how, how do you seek out your mentors? Are they people in those other areas that have worked with you that are pulling you towards them? Or are they also, I don't want to say unbiased, but not influenced right on the rules that, that you have? Just curious on, on how you um, initiated those mentorships and then have fostered them. So, so I will tell you, I'm an introvert, right? So I'm not an extrovert by any stretch. So I have to be very comfortable with somebody. So the three mentors that I will tell you I've had in my career are people that I've worked with and that I know that I've had a good chemistry with, not, not to have a play on words, but that I have good chemistry with and that I feel that I trust that they will have my best interest at heart because I am somebody who's a little more guarded. And so, you know, and so I will say though, when you, when you when you make that connection with somebody and you ask them to mentor you and you have that in the, and they're willing to engage, I think it becomes a really excellent relationship. And so you will have opportunity to get what I would call champions, people that see who you or how you work and you want to have many champions in your company. Those champions may not be your mentor, but they may be just somebody that support the good job that you've always done. I think that's a great point. It's understanding the differences between your managers, a coach, a sponsor, an advocate for you, a mentor. They're, they're all going to serve different um, roles for you and, and influence in different ways. Stepan, we're lucky enough, we have, we have an emerging leaders program, a leadership development program, and they have 
formal mentors assigned, which is, which is great. But I said, Hey, take on those wicked challenges. Right. And it's at that time, uh, that it's, it's best, I think, or at least it was best in my career to have that mentor as I was dealing with the uncomfortable. Um, I, I think it's great to like bring that uncomfortableness and those difficult questions to that mentor um, and really have a thoughtful conver conversation. And I've, I've learned that it's a, it's a two-way relationship. It's, I think the mentor is being also enriched just as much by the mentee. Um, so really coming thoughtfully prepared with those, with those, with those good questions um, and having a two-way dialogue I think just creates for such an enriching experience uh, along the way. But honestly, to, to have those uncomfortable conversations, that's the time to do it. Um, and um, if you can't uh, informally network, I would say really to find that mentorship. Christine, I wanna give you a chance if you have any additional comments before we move to the next question. Uh, nothing really. I mean, I, I really agree with with Ann and Jen. Uh, and um, I've been lucky enough to also be a mentor. And I couldn't agree more. And with just, I mean, I've gotten a ton out of it myself. I mean, there's just, it's so enriching to be able to provide, you know, hopefully unbiased perspective with somebody and, and provide some guidance and everything. But I think the mentors learn just as much as the mentees. Um, and I think that as difficult as getting some constructive feedback and sometimes the slap in the face reality that you need, whether that come from a mentor or somebody else, it's really, really important for career development because I think we all have our own natural biases and sometimes you're blind to some of the things that you need to work on and you really need, especially if you have desires to grow and do different things, you really need somebody to be able to help you navigate and understand and reflect on where maybe you have some weaknesses and some some opportunities for improvement we all do like somebody said earlier nobody's perfect and you just really need to be open to to hearing those things and um and really and really reflect on when you get it and and determine you know what what can you do to overcome some of those things it's never an easy discussion but it's really really important to be open to hearing those things you know, maybe to add one more thing too, I think about being a, a mentor because I do that same my company. And that is, I really appreciate, you know, when I look at the next generation of employees that come in, you know, we look at that over time, people's wants and needs are different, right? And I, I really actually, that's really been an eye opener for me now sitting over in procurement because I, I have actually a range of people with experience, right? People fresh out of college, people that have been, you know, five to 10 years, people that are more senior managers that are 15 to 20 years in the organization. And so they're, they all want things a little bit differently. And so I do think that's important. It's important to listen to what people's desires are career-wise, but also like just work-life balance, all of those types of things, because I also think we're, we're gonna pivot. We are not going to, we are pivoting today. Right, based on what, what we're doing for our employees. And that includes how they move through the company too and the things they find interesting to them. Great. You guys, really good points. I mean, I think there's a lot to be said about 
and a lot for me to pay attention and make note to about how mentors are enriched by their mentees. And, and it's the same inverse relationship. I think that's really important. I think that's exactly what makes a really solid, long lasting relationship or partnership. And I made a note, Jen, you mentioned that you've got three solid mentors throughout the extent of your career so far. And to me, and maybe this is just me, but hearing that there's only been three um, has me kind of maybe taking a step back and thinking, okay, how do I make really enriching, solid, long-lasting mentorships. Um, so that's that's a note that I'm making. So thanks for sharing, you guys. Um, Annie, the last question before we open it up to our community that's listening on the line uh, for their comments and questions, uh, we'll have you kick this one off. So Annie, can you tell us about how, how, how we can make seamless, lateral, or horizontal career transitions into different business functions? Um, what are some tangible tips our community can use to ensure that their transition into a new career path is smooth? The, the first thing I thought about is a nod panelist, like, have you seen awkward transitions or been a part of awkward transitions possibly in your life? You know, so I say it's never going to be seamless, but it's from those awkward transitions that I've learned a lot or, or witnessed, I've, I've seen it. I know it sounds simple, but, but really try to leverage your HR business partner or those that have gone through it um, for advice, right? And, and what to do in that case. Um, I always say first and foremost, just confirm it's a lateral move because um, the roles change, there could be slight adjustments. And I think it's always good to revisit the job profile, the compensation, because market dynamics change, responsibilities change. And so just check off that box and just make sure first, is it really a lateral move? Make sure you're getting um, compensated fairly uh, for the job you're going to be doing, because those subtleties of changing it over time um, really could make a difference. I think just uh, the second one, I would say ensuring an alignment between the current manager and the future manager. So creating a formal transition plan, I think, and scheduling time with the employee and the prior manager and the new manager, I think is so critical. And it's asking questions such as, um, what of my current responsibilities can I continue to assume? And what are the new responsibilities can I start to kind of transition into, um, you know, every each manager is going to expect 100% of your time, right? And that could stress out the employee, right? So you don't, you kind of want to have that rules of engagement set between both managers. I think too, what's that official cutover date? And am I going to have to go back maybe and support training a new hire as they come into the role I'm leaving, right? And to have that, who's assessing my performance, uh, while I'm in this transition. So kind of, again, setting those ground rules, I think is, is so critical. And then I would say a well-documented training and onboarding plan. So uh, I, in the past I've done where I will have a team member, a trusted team member as that uh, new employee's single point of contact, right? That can really help that employee transition that they feel comfortable, kind of that go-to single source of contact to help answer questions, to direct them to resource. So I call it the peer mentor, but if you can, you can kind of have someone named to help and really kind of uh, work through that training or onboarding with that employee, that, that is 
at least helped uh, myself and, and my team in the past uh, make a seamless transition. Maybe, maybe just to add, I think, you know, don't be afraid of a lateral. And so I've lateraled a couple of times in my career and, you know, it's, it's been able to give me what I would call the right tools in my toolbox, right? Because so, you know, so ARC, the way our company is positioned, you know, I've been in chemicals, I've been in oil, I've been in feedstocks, I've been in polymers, like, so I've touched a lot of different businesses. And I think some of those moves that I've had to make over time have been laterals, but what it's done is it's given me more exposure for the future. Because let's face it, you know, as you go up in your company, it's a pyramid, there's fewer seats. So the more that you have had touch or visibility to some other areas, it gets, it just gives you greater level of opportunity, right? And so, you know, taking a lateral sometimes feels uncomfortable, but I think if you can, if you say to yourself, okay, what am I getting out of it? And if it's something that really does help you longer in your career, you've got to think about longevity, not just the next level, right? And so you think about longevity, I think it, you'll, it'll help you in the long run. I think when you do make the lateral to something new, I, I really like what Annie said. I think you want to understand the role and everything before you go over, understand how you're going to transition. I'm going to tell you, I was shaking my head because none of my transitions have been perfect, right? They never are, right? So the first three months, it feels like hair on fire, right? Until you get, and part of it is just building your own confidence that, okay, I can do this, right? But getting in there and trying to make sure you're figuring it out, especially when you're doing something completely different, there is always a little bit of apprehension. But, but I think, you know, if you, if you really want to get ahead in a company, you have to be willing to make those bold moves and do something completely different. And sometimes it's still lateral, and that's okay. I think when I look at the building on the pyramid and the lateral, it's, I once had a, a boss tell me, you don't want to move up too fast. Right, you need to make sure you have the right building blocks underneath you, the right experiences, the right network, the right checked boxes, if you will, so you don't get up to the top and then realize you took one step too far and you don't have that base to fall fall down on that you can't help and support the team in the right way. And I think that's a great example of how those lateral building blocks, they are still building you, even if it's not directly up, it, it is in the same way. Um, I think another thing is we look at like making that seamless transition, knowing that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. So you might decide you want to go back too. In my case, I was started my career in sourcing. I went into um, a manufacturing role as a manufacturing engineer. I loved it. So the, gra the grass was green. It was good. I was there for about five years. And then I had an opportunity to come back into sourcing is that business sourcing manager having one foot in each side, both in the division and with sourcing. And so making sure you're not burning any bridges, you're not mic drop, see ya, I'm onto something else, but making sure you're still fostering those relationships because you've built those, you have your reputation and different people will move, depending on the size of your company and how they encourage movement, you'll find that paths cross often in different areas too. So making sure you continue to foster that not burn any bridges, I think is really important. I agree, Ashley. And I think that the diversification that you get even in a lateral move, lateral move for your uh, experience, sometimes you see the reverse happen where somebody moves into something new and they realize that they actually unexpectedly like it 
more than they anticipated. And now that actually takes their career in a completely different direction than they originally expected, as opposed to maybe going back to doing something else. So, you know, like I said, it's, you know, all of the experience, no matter what, what experience you get, uh, you learn something out of it, right? And it's, it's the building blocks, as you said. So, um, so I think it's important to consider that um, because you're, you don't know where it's going to lead you. And it's also going to lead to going back to our networking discussion, right? I mean, you're going to meet other people in the organization and that may lead to other paths that you didn't even know existed. All awesome comments. I'm in transition myself right now. So I'm soaking this in real time. Um, so very relevant for myself. But um, ladies, that concludes our, our main portion of this discussion. I'll make this quick. Uh, I express to you all my, my gratitude for your willingness to participate here, um, but want to make sure that we offer some time for those listening in to ask you guys questions. So I'll turn it over to Amelia to kind of share with our community how to best do that. Um, and then we'll kick that off. Awesome, thank you, Kylie. Um, so we are gonna start our Q&A portion. So there's two ways that you can submit questions. You can either type your question into the chat, um, either directly to me or just to the group at large and I can read it out to the group. Or you can go to the bottom toolbar on your Zoom or it might be the top toolbar depending on how you have your settings. Um, and click this beautiful smiley reaction button. And then there is a raise your hand function. And if you raise your hand, we will allow you to unmute so that you can ask your question um, yourself. So without further ado, we will go into that Q&A function. And I see um, Sherelle, I hope I'm saying that right, has her hand raised. So I will allow her to unmute and ask her question. Hi, um, thank you so much. I just had a quick question. Um, so most of you um, from looking up your bios um, are at larger companies and I work in the chemical industry in Colorado and most of the companies are quite small. So how do you navigate lateral and like making different moves when likely you can't do that within a single organization, you're doing it by going to a completely new company. Maybe, maybe I'll start. I think, um, so smaller companies, so I've always worked for a bigger company, so forgive me, so I'm not gonna have as much background, but I do think smaller companies, what I've noticed for some of my friends that work at smaller companies, they actually do allow you to wear more hats than you do at bigger companies, right? Because bigger companies are a lot more defined. You know, you're in sales, you're in marketing. And so, you know, I think, you know, I don't think you have to leave your company to get experience. I think you just have to reach out to folks and say, I'd like to learn more about something else and see if there's an opportunity. And it doesn't, like we were talking a little bit earlier, I don't know that it has to ne necessarily be a defined role, right? It could be a, sp a special project. I candidly got some of the best experience in my career, I think I was on four, four special projects, four, maybe five. It's been a while. So maybe it's five special projects. But the point of the matter is I got to learn a lot more about different parts of the company. And then I also got the ability to have a little more exposure to folks that I wouldn't have normally talked to. And so 
So I don't think you have to leave. I think you just have to inquire about what other opportunities could be out there. And it, like I said, it doesn't need to be a role, but a defined role. Just to tack on to that, I think too, being at a, at a smaller company, like you said, you might not have as much opportunity, but to have a candid conversation with your manager or supervisor, if they're a true leader, they want to see you grow and develop, whether it's in your current seat or somewhere else, but they want to see you within that same company. And so if they can help to connect you with the right folks or assign you to one of those special projects, I don't think it, I haven't seen anywhere where it hurts to make your feelings known to your, your manager in a professional way to see if there's opportunity there as well. I went from a large chemical company, Sherwin-Williams, to step in, which is quite small compared to Sherwin-Williams. Um, but I remember early on, uh, so regulatory chemist, I wasn't quite sure exactly what opportunities there were for me. I, I, but I, I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm actually going to try to participate in industry association um, as representative or on various councils or whatever. So if it wasn't maybe directly in my current department, or I didn't see all those lateral options at the time, I'm like, okay, what are some of the things I could do to kind of get outside of my company to, to gain exposure and to, to start to network? And then um, that exposure then came back through the organization. Okay, look at that. Look at how she's participating and showing up even outside the organization. So that, that was something that really helped early in my career was um, trying to represent myself more broadly outside my organization as well. I think, Anne, you mentioned earlier too, identifying the emerging, um, kind of emerging opportunities and gaps. And sometimes with small companies, well, with all companies, you know, there's gonna be some type of gaps. In smaller companies, you might have uh, an opportunity to participate in um, helping address whatever that gap may be, um, even if it's taking on some additional roles and experience or even projects that are related to that. Um, I, so I, I, I'm the opposite. I came from a small company, which was ultimately acquired then by Brentag. And, and like Jen says, in some smaller companies, people do wear a lot of hats. Um, and so I think that may naturally give you the opportunity to get some additional exposure as opposed to kind of being more compartmentalized where maybe you don't know that they exist. It's still, no matter the size of the company, it still kind of goes back to um, advocating a little bit for yourself and having that conversation just to understand what might be out there. Um, and, and I do agree with the other panelists that, especially with those small companies or even with large companies really, but you know, ultimately, they would like to find a way to keep you on board and they don't want you to leave. And so the small companies too are, can be a lot of, uh, very creative in, uh, in finding, finding opportunities for their teams. That's what awesome. has been my experience. Awesome, thank you all. Um, so we got a question in the chat and it is, I would love to hear the panel's perspective on the balance between their career and personal life as they just, progressed and decided which path they've taken in their career. So kind of the interplay between career and personal life and how you've shaped your decisions around what's going on at home for work and vice versa. I guess I can start. So I think for me it was, and I think Ashley said it, to, said it a little bit earlier about 
what do you choose when you start a family, right? Because that's, to me, that was, that was a big, that's a big change. I put it mildly, it's a big change. And so I will say that I, I, I think that for me, I was a little bit worried that I couldn't do the things I wanted to do as a mom and still be good at what I did at work, right? And so, so I'm, and I'm going to just dispel any, any idea that anybody thinks that you're going to be awesome at both at all the time, because it never happens. And so, you know, and I think um, Meg said it once early on in one of her interviews, I mean, you are going to have great days and you're going to have not so great days. I think that the idea is not to be hard on yourself, right? I think I'm a really good mom. I'm not always the best mom, right? And I'm, I think I'm a really good employee, but sometimes I'm not always the best employee. It's just, it, it's the way the days go, right? But I will say that I did when my son was very small, I took on a sales role that I would have probably never taken if, if it wasn't for the fact that my husband was very supportive. It was a job that I did really want. It was a sales manager role for North America and it required 50% travel. And I thought to myself, there's no way I can do this job. I have have a toddler, there's no way. And my husband said, why, why can't you do it? And he said, he wasn't, he did not have a job at the time that traveled. And so he pushed me in that direction. And I'm forever grateful for that because he's a fantastic dad. I think my son and my husband had great bonding time together. And, you know, I, I took that great example. And then as I did other things in my career, I always put my family first. I'm going to be very honest. I, I do, I do not miss my son's concerts, sports events. I don't. I put them on my calendar. I am very well planned. I have them out in advance so I can navigate that. And I really try hard. Like I said, I'm not perfect every day, but I think, I think you're gonna, you just have, have to dispel the rumor that you have to be perfect every day because you won't be, and that's okay, you know. And so, so I think having support, whether it's family support, a spouse. No matter what, I think you have to be willing to let go a little bit and let them help you because, you know, you'll see that 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 they can do a lot and probably sometimes a lot better than you could. You just don't realize it. Right. So. I always say balance. What balance? There's right. There's never any balance. I'm never going to be balanced. So, I, you know, I've always said I'm going to be grounded in where my priorities lie right now. Right. And some, and at certain points in time, my priority, well, it's always been, but it's on my children. And so I have to make sure that's where the priority is. And so again, similar, I, I didn't always, I didn't, I I didn't take a global role where I was going to be an expat, but it was a great opportunity, but I, I was anchored on the fact that I knew where my priorities lied at the time. Um, and yeah, I showed up as a good enough mom, right? So sometimes I was the one that um, was bringing the paper plates and utensils. I, I didn't have time to make the homemade brownies. I really, I wish I could have, but at least I was there and I was present and my kids saw that. And I also try to share with them what I'm learning and what my experiences are, because I want them to see me the sacrifices I've made, but what I'm learning and, and what I'm actually giving my family and my kids because of um, the, the positions I'm in. So I'm, I'm trying to teach them and, and make, I, I want them to hear my stories and share in my experience as well. So um, I just say, be, be true to your priorities or be anchored as to, to what's, what's critical and then drive your decisions from that. 
Yeah, I think to stem onto that, it's for me, it's always about open communication and transparent communication, whether it's with your boss, with your team, or with your spouse or your partner. Um, like, like Jen said, you're not going to be the best wife, the best mom, and the best coworker, and the best friend, and the best daughter all at the same time, but you can be the best part of what you can at a given point in time, depending on what you're anchored in. So I know I'm doing my part-time MBA right now. I don't have a family and kids other than my fur baby. And so it's just having that open communication with my husband on dishes might not be clean. There might not be food in the fridge, you know, and we'll figure it out. And so just making sure that we're communicating and on the same page with expectations has been helpful for us balancing. I think being present, and you guys have kind of touched upon this, right? It's present, um, not only physically, but then also mentally, right? So that you're focused on that priority at the time um, and your, your friends and your family uh, recognize that and know that I think every single one of us, everybody has their different challenges that they're faced with when it comes to balancing family, friends, et cetera, right? And so I think even though sometimes in the, in the professional environment, it can be a little uncomfortable when we're talking about uh, having to prioritize or, or making family first. I think everybody ultimately wants to be in a place where that's expected and respected at the same time. And people are okay with somebody saying, hey, I've got to do this. I um, used to work with um, a president of ours who no matter what, we could be in, a, in, a, in an executive meeting and in the middle of the meeting, his daughter would call and he'd say, I have to take this. And it would just be five minutes, but he would step out. He's like, my daughter's calling. I need to take this. I'll just be back in a couple minutes. He never took a long time, but I'm sure to this day that she remembers that her dad was always there, no matter the role that he had in the organization and everything. And so I think it's, you know, little things that um, can make the difference. Um, and I think, you know, on both sides, right? I mean, as long as professionally you're, you're there, you show up, you're prioritizing when it's critical. Um, and vice versa. And I think that's how you strive the balance or lack thereof, because I think we all laugh and it's very hard to find that work-life balance, right? Especially now with this hybrid hybrid environment and everything and people, you know, working from home more than ever and, and so forth. So the lines have been blurred more than ever, but I think it's really, really important for all of us to, uh, to try to strive to find some balance, you know, whatever that looks like. And it, and it changes, right? Depending on where we are in our lives. Awesome. Well, unfortunately, we're getting toward the top of the hour, and I know there are some additional questions in the chat. So I do want to let everybody know that we are going to be sending out a recap email on Monday with a recording of this and the LinkedIn profiles of all of our panelists. So you can reach out to all of our panelists via LinkedIn message if you want to ask your questions. I'm sorry that we couldn't get to all the questions today. Um, but as we wrap up, I just want to give a final thank you to our panelists today, Annie, Christine, Ashley, and Jen, um, and to our seven corporate sponsors. Um, so thank you, panelists. Thank you, sponsors. And thank you, everybody, for joining today. Hope to see you next time.